Which players from the Denver Broncos 2023 NFL Draft Class project to have a huge impact this upcoming season? Could it be Marvin Mims? Could it be Riley Moss, a cornerback? We share our thoughts and much more with Broncos Country on today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are Locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome into a brand new episode of Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We just want to say thank you so much to everybody in Broncos country for tuning in and making Locked On Broncos your first listen of the day every single day. We want to give a special shout out to all the everyday listeners who listen Monday through Friday to this podcast. Thank you for making Lockdown Broncos what it is. Make sure you subscribe or you follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast so you never miss out on an episode as soon as it is made available. This is the place to be for the best daily objective Denver Broncos coverage. I'm your host as always, Cody Rourke, Broncos reporter from Mile High Sports, joined alongside by my co-host Sarah Bender, site expert, predominantly orange, Com. This episode of the show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. Sarah, the conversation continues here. Now the NFL draft is officially in the rearview mirror. And now we take a look at which players for the Broncos in the draft class could maybe have the biggest impact for the team immediately in year one. Could it be a two year, three year project for some guys? I mean, I'm excited to look at every prospect that Denver drafted over the course of Friday and Saturday, and maybe see how they fit immediately in Sean Payton's scheme here and Vance Joseph's for the Denver Broncos. I'm excited too, Cody. I love talking about draft picks. I love this time of year when we kind of get to still be in the hypothetical realm, but also we're talking about the picks the team actually made. We're not talking about, it's not mock draft Monday or Tuesday or a third round Thursday anymore. We're talking about the actual guys that came in, which is so much fun, isn't it? Just to get to dream about what these guys can do on offense, defense, special teams, with the new coaching staff coming in. Obviously, hopefully, for everybody in Broncos country, a renewed sense of optimism. Even if you, you know, even if you're just not ready to flap those wings quite yet, you're still in the skeptical stage, or maybe just a little bit on the fence. Let's let's talk about these players, right? Let's talk about what kind of impact they can have, and specifically speaking to their role and maybe placement on the depth chart this year, Cody. I know the Broncos, they didn't pick till 63 overall, the final pick of round two. But look, Marvin Mims, these guys, they could make an impact on the field pretty significantly despite their lower draft status. On paper, this was the one signing, I think, out of everybody that when I looked at, okay, Denver's moving up from round three. They didn't believe he was going to be there several picks you know, after the after 63. So they made the move to go and get him. To me, this is the the one signing that has me, I think, excited and, and maybe feeling more confident that probably he projects, Marvin Mims projects to have probably the biggest impact, I would say right away, immediately coming into the fray here for the Broncos. When you look at John Payton's offense and look right now, Denver's got a loaded wide receiver room. They got a number of guys there that's standard when you go into NFL training camp. But the question is, is what can Mims bring to the table that maybe separates himself? And I think a lot of people have wondered, you know, as we're recording this episode, the Broncos have yet to make a decision on Jerry Judy's fifth year option. We'll do an episode tomorrow for all the everyday listeners in Broncos country who want to know about what the Broncos decide to do. Do they pick it up? Do they not pick it up? You'll get that on tomorrow's Lockdown Broncos. But for Mims, a lot of people are wondering, does this mean that they're going to move on from Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy? 
I don't think it has really anything. And George Payton said this as well. It has nothing to do with any of the receivers there. Though when I look at the arrival of Mims, it tells me. I think this has more of an impact in terms of competition on guys like Kendall Hinton, K.J. Hamler, and even Montreal Washington. These are probably the three guys where the Mims arrival definitely creates some questions. And maybe even Marquez Calloway. you got to throw that in there as well to maybe see how things pan out. But for me, Mims is an electric player, can play inside, can play outside. But also the fact that he can also play special teams. And George Payton and Sean Payton raved about him as a returner, pairing him with Ben Kotwika and Mike Westhoff. To me, I feel like it, it's easy, and considering, yes, he's a round two guy, but it makes a lot of sense for Mims to have a very, very big impact immediately out of this rookie draft class. What are your thoughts on this? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Well, Sean Payton said, Cody, right after the draft, obviously, is being asked about these picks and asked about the players, and he got asked specifically about Mims as a return specialist, and what did he say? He said, we really thought there was two elite special teams guys, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, and not reading a direct quote. But he basically said we thought there were two elite, you know, return specialists in this class, one of them being Tank Dell, the Houston wide receiver who ended up with the Houston Texans, the other one being Marvin Mims, who ended up with the Denver Broncos. So you view him as an elite special teams player, as an elite return specialist at, at any rate. And so I think that kind of puts a little bit of a ceiling, doesn't it, on where you envision him immediately in the offense. Like it's not not to say that your wide receiver one or two can't be a punt returner, but that's just not typical in the NFL. I think of guys like, I mean, Antonio Brown comes to mind as previously being, you know, obviously a high volume target for the offense, as well as a punt returner. Can't think of too many of those guys nowadays in the NFL, Cody. But I think if you, if you envision him as your primary punt returner, does that put a little ceiling as as to say maybe he's a wide receiver three at best this year if things go uh, you know in, in a certain direction with maybe Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick? I completely agree with what you're saying. I think what what Peyton and Peyton said after the draft, it's not about you know uh, his draft selection impacting those guys in terms of what does it mean for Jerry Judy. George Peyton said these are complementary pieces together, like they can work together. As well as, you know, I, I mean, I think personally for me, Cody, if you did decide to move somebody, I think Marquez Callaway probably slides up the depth chart and you keep Mims in that wide receiver four, wide receiver five space this year where he can impact your offense. He's going to get on the field. He's going to see snaps, but he's also going to play a much bigger role on special teams. He's going to be that. What does Sean Payton call it? Hidden yardage in that return department, which I think is extremely important. Can we also discuss, too, I, I maybe want to get this out of the way early on because training, once training camp rolls around, you're going to be hearing this all the time about this guy's wide receiver one, this guy's wide receiver two, this guy's wide receiver three. It, it, today's NFL, folks, for the most part, it doesn't matter what the designation is. You're going to have five to six guys at that position, and all of them are going to play a wide variety of roles. It doesn't matter who's listed on the depth chart as wide receiver one. I, I think there's so much... That, you know, we get so caught up in that sometimes. And that a lot of the dialogue is, well, this guy's not a wide receiver. It doesn't matter. They're all wide receivers. They're all going to play. I'm excited to see how he fits. And specifically as well, I mean, can you imagine a situation here, sir, where you do have, let's say, you put Jerry Judy on the outside, you know, in one instance. You put Marvin Mims inside the slot. You put Cortland Sutton on the other side. Or if you go two by two, you have Cortland Sutton on one side, Tim Patrick on the other, Jerry in the slot, Mims in the slot as well. I mean, it's just a, an offensive coordinator's wet dream to be able to envision guys like that fully healthy in the right situation, right scenario. On paper, it looks beautiful, but you have to maybe see it kind of play out and, and hope that guys can stay healthy. But 
I'm excited about the wide receiver room, to be honest with you. I know we'll dive a little bit deeper into the conversation about these picks because Denver was in dire straits last year when guys went down with an injury. And this is no shade at all towards you know guys like Brandon Johnson and Jalen Virgil, but it's like when you lose two of your top playmakers in Sutton and Judy at various points of the season and you don't have KJ and you don't have Tim, you're really relying on guys who are, you know, were fighting their way to make an NFL roster. And that's not a slight in any way, shape, or form, but it's just, it's different the level of impact that you get with a guy like Jerry Judy versus a guy like Brandon Johnson. And and that's something I kind of wanted to throw out there. It's definitely a wild card when you throw it in there. But Broncos country, what do you think about Marvin Mims and his potential to have an impact right away in 2023? We want to hear from you. If you're an everyday listener of Lockdown Broncos, comment on YouTube, or if you're on Twitter, listening on your favorite audio podcasting platform, tweet us at Cody Rourke NFL, at Sarah Bettinger, at Locked on Broncos. We're going to continue our conversation here on the draft picks. Could Riley Moss and Drew Sanders have a big impact this upcoming season? How do they project within their position groups itself? You'll get that on today's episode, Locked on Broncos. This episode of the show is brought to you by our friends over there at FanDuel. And make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs. Because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. If you want Jamal Murray to hit over three threes in a playoff series in a game against the Phoenix Suns, I would take that at FanDuel. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. The Denver Broncos made two big-time defensive selections on day two of this year's NFL draft. Obviously, Cody, we're talking about Drew Sanders, the linebacker. We're talking about Riley Moss, the cornerback out of Iowa, and we're going to discuss their depth chart impact. And if you have opinions on this, feel free, like Cody has been saying, sound off in the comments. We want to hear from you. Where do you think these guys are going to play? When? How frequently? Where do you think they're going to end up on the depth chart? Should be a lot of fun to talk about, Cody, especially with these two guys, right? You got Drew Sanders, a former five-star, and then you've got Riley Moss. We got breaking news as we're doing the podcast. Oh, oh, here we go. The Broncos are picking up fifth-year option on Jerry Judy. There we go. All right, we'll have a complete reaction, though, Broncos country. I I know we're talking about the draft picks. If you're an everyday listener, tomorrow, Sarah and I are going to break down every ounce of why this is big for the Broncos, Mm -hmm. what Jerry can do to build on it, especially with this fifth year. You'll get that if you're an everyday listener. Sorry, Sarah, for interrupting. We had breaking news while we were recording the pod. I'm happy for it, Cody. I love it. I hope we get it. We need to get a little, just like a clip or something of my face when you said it, because man, I, I was expecting the opposite and we'll talk about it. Of course, like you said, uh, and very excited for Jerry Judy. What does that mean? We'll find out, but I think that's huge for his long-term, you know, prospects with the Denver Broncos. I think that's been a huge question mark. So excited for him and excited still to talk about these defensive picks. Now the adrenaline is flowing, baby. I was saying that Drew Sanders, a former five-star guy, and Riley Moss, Cody, he was a a walk-on at Iowa, a blue shirt, they call him, there with the Hawkeyes. So let's talk about Drew Sanders, the former five-star, commits to Alabama, has to, you know, ironically talking about the depth chart, had a struggle there with the Alabama depth chart, transfers to Arkansas, does really well. Where do you view him in terms of his year one depth chart impact for the Denver Broncos? Yeah, this is a great question, too, because uh, you you watch him on tape, man. It's hard not to get excited. He's what we would call, you know, not to compare him to Alex Singleton. He's like a taller version of Alex Singleton in a sense that 
This is a guy who just flies around the football field. He just plays with a, a motor like a madman. He reminds me a lot of Bobby Boucher when he's playing, when you just watch him because he's constantly tracking the football. And if somebody's running toward the sideline or running in his direction and they have the football, he's going after them and he's hitting them hard. It's not like light tackle. He is trying to run through guys and it excites me for a guy who had over a hundred tackles, obviously this past season at Arkansas. I mean, we talk about the blitz ability and something that Sean Payton raved about that. He's got like this blitz makeup pass rush makeup in him at the inside backer position that is unique. And I imagine we're going to see a lot of pressure from the Broncos. We're going to see it with Singleton Jewel. I'm, and good things happened last year when the Broncos blitzed Josie Jewel. He got a couple of sacks last year on opposing quarterbacks. There were times they sent Singleton. He didn't necessarily get a quarterback sack last year. But, uh, you know, for Sanders, I, I think that Denver goes with Josie and Singleton this season. But this is a guy who definitely projects, I think, in my opinion, to be a guy who can play maybe and maybe start next year for the Broncos because you did sign Alex Singleton to a three-year contract extension. Obviously, well-deserved for him. You do have Jonas Griffith, who was in ERFA, and you have some control maybe with bringing him back next year as well. I, I would say that maybe we have to analyze this. Like, if Josie Duell plays really, really well this season, Sarah, do you extend him if you're the Broncos? Because he's been very, very solid. I mean, he has been an impact player for them alongside Singleton, and when those two kind of emerged as a starting duo— Denver's defense definitely had a little bit of a benefit from both those guys. But for Sanders, if he doesn't play right away on defense, Sarah, I see him having a major impact on special teams. Kind of going back to the days of Wesley Woodyard, right? Who's a draft pick by the Broncos as well, was a special teams guy and then earned a starting role. I see maybe a similar timeline, but maybe even shorter for a guy like Drew Sanders, who has the opportunity to, I think, do it quicker. Coach Prime ain't going to be the only D Sanders making an impact in the state of Colorado <laughs> this year, baby. I think obviously the impact immediately is special teams, right? And that's where the Broncos really needed to upgrade. We heard Sean Payton's comments about watching the offensive game film last year and how it wasn't easy to do. But I think he said pretty much the same thing about special teams, didn't he? So really, that's an area you bring Mike Westoff out of the mountains, out of retirement. You bring in Ben Kotwika, obviously, to coach your special teams. Then you start drafting these guys, Marvin Mims, who you say, man, he's that elite punt returner. Then you bring in Drew Sanders a multitude of times at Alabama, although he struggled to find his way up the depth chart there. He was one of their top special teams players. He made the most of the opportunities that he got as a special teams guy. And coming out of high school, Cody, interestingly enough, he was what they what they call on the recruiting sites an athlete, you know, the, the ATH designation like they didn't know was he going to be a pass rusher like that's why he's buried on the depth chart at Alabama he's behind Will Anderson like the number three overall pick in this year's draft he's playing behind at Alabama and of course that's kind of just how it is there in Tuscaloosa but man I think there's some potential there he's going to make an impact on special teams and as a situational pass rusher maybe a little QB spy action from him Cody I kind of like the ideas of just kind of using him in a few snaps every week Riley Moss though I think he got potential to be a starter for the Denver Broncos this year. And that that has nothing negative to say about Damari Mathis. Here's my thought, Cody, on where Damari Mathis, Riley Moss are at right now. And you can give me yours. For me, Damari Mathis, progression in the NFL. I've said this before. Progression and development, they're not always linear. He's not necessarily just going to go straight up like this. There may be some moments, as we saw last year in his rookie year, there may be some moments of inconsistency. There may be stretches 
of inconsistency and competition is going to bring out the best of both of these guys. I think we're going to see a training camp battle between Riley Moss and Damari Mathis for that cornerback two spot. And I wouldn't be surprised if Riley Moss came away victorious. And that just enhances the Broncos depth at a key position. And that's, I think, the big question, right? Because we were talking about the arrival of Tremont Smith, a free agency signing. We talked about, okay, hey, probably more so special teams. But I also think the, you know, the the drafting of Marvin Mims and then now the arrival of Riley Moss, I mean, it kind of makes it, I don't think it guarantees Tremont Smith's roster spot. But then again, I do think you need a guy who is a veteran guy who can impact you on special teams. Obviously, there's going to be a widespread competition at kick return, at punt return. And realistically speaking, he's probably going to be a kick return option mainly for the Broncos, while Marvin Mims, I think, projects to be a punt returner for them. Or he could even do both. We'll have to see maybe how the plan is. But in terms of like Damari Mathis, I go back to what George Payton said at the NFL Scouting Combine. They view Mathis as a starter in the NFL. I thought he did an exceptional job. I definitely understand those those peaks and valleys of the growth developmental trait there, especially you know for a guy that I don't think the Broncos expected to play him much in 2022, and the fact that he had to step in and that he played well, I think is good. You know, now you got to keep building on that if you are Mathis, but there are going to be times. You know, I think there is competition. I don't think maybe it is solidified entirely that hey, it's it's Mathis and Sertan, and then Riley Moss is going to be cornerback three. Though how I view it right now. I think Riley Moss will play a lot. I think he'll play a special impact on, on the special team side of the ball there. But I also think that he does have a chance to compete for that starting job with Damari Mathis. But if not, worst case scenario, I see him being a cornerback three option, Sarah, which isn't a bad thing either because cornerback three is the guys, you know, on the other side, depending on your personnel packages, he's still going to find a way to play some on defense this season, which, hey, you know what? Not a bad thing to happen for a guy you know, who's a rookie and has, I think, the, the talent and potential that he does. And when you see the NFL with all these spread out offenses, you have to have guys that can cover. And I'm excited to see, especially in the zone defense that the Broncos do plan to run. I can't wait to see it, Cody, really. I mean, when you talk about having all these young pieces for Christian Parker to work with, of course, we, we can acknowledge that development is not always linear but with Christian Parker coaching up the defensive backfield I mean we kind of expect these guys to go on a pretty positive overall trajectory don't we we we're talking about Caden Stearns a fifth round pick in 2021 as the potential starter next to Justin Simmons we're talking about a fourth round pick from last year's draft Damari Mathis being penciled in as the starter on a top 10 defense we're talking about Riley Moss a third round pick like these are the expectations that I think Christian Parker deserves as a position coach in the NFL. And it's why I think he's soon to be a defensive coordinator, Cody, because he does know these coverage schemes so well. He knows how to maximize the talent of his players back there. I think it's a great conversation to be having just because what did we say going into this whole draft process? What did we want to see? We want to see your best position coaches, the coaches that you have the most confidence in. We want to see those guys get some players. We want to see them get some new toys because if you believe in their ability to develop guys, get them some talent. And the Broncos obviously traded up, prioritized Riley Moss heavily. It's going to be fun to see how they mix and match this defensive backfield in 2023. Christian Parker, like I said, in, they're in good hands too with CP and his ability to develop guys. I'm excited about the cornerback position. I'm excited about these two prospects as well. Broncos country, let us know. Drew Sanders, Riley Moss, how do you feel about them? in their rookie season? How do you project they maybe play a role or impact the team in any way, shape, or form? Drop it down below in the comments if you're watching as well. But then we're going to get to the back end of the NFL draft. But J.L. Skinner, safety out of Boise State and 
Alex Forsyth Center out of the University of Oregon. Sco Ducks here. How do they project to fit being the back-end picks for the Broncos in the 2023 NFL Draft? You get that on today's episode. Lockdown Broncos. Real quick, we just want to say thank you so much for tuning in and making us your first listen of the day every single day. Lockdown Broncos, we're here for you every step of the way all year long because Broncos country deserves coverage that doesn't include clickbait, that doesn't include hot takes. You deserve coverage from people who cover the team in person every day at practice, on the road, at games. This is the place to be. Lockdown Broncos, your team every single day. Thank you for making us your first listen. Locked on Broncos. The Broncos back end of the 2023 NFL Draft featured a selection in round six and round seven. How do these players project to have an impact maybe in their rookie season for the Broncos? Thank you so much, Broncos country, for tuning in and making us your first listen of the day every single day. You can get this podcast free and available everywhere you get your podcast. Or if you watch us on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss out on an episode as soon as it's made available. Sarah, Let's continue the conversation here. The Broncos initially were set to have two six-round picks. They stayed put at their first one. They traded away their second one. They got a tight end, Adam Troutman from the New Orleans Saints. That one worked out really well. We'll have more for you everyday listeners on Troutman, why he wanted to come to the Broncos this week here on the podcast. But focusing in on J.L. Skinner and Alex Forsythe, two players, usually when you're projected and you know, you're taking a little bit later at the back end of the draft, I think a lot of people's expectations normally think like, okay, hey, we'll be surprised if this guy even makes the roster. You know, he's not a prominent draft pick. If you get drafted, folks, it's a big deal. It is a big deal. It doesn't matter if you go first round. It doesn't matter if you're undrafted, as we've seen the Broncos have had success with undrafted guys throughout the course of their history. It's about what you do with the opportunity. And J.L. Skinner, with his size, it's exciting. Now, for me, Sarah, I, I want to see maybe what Sean Payton and George Payton envision for him defensively in the grand scheme of things. But when you look at the depth, if this is going to be an impact signing, this is what has to happen here in 2023. You know, Skinner has to join P.J. Locke. He has to join DeLarian Turner-Yell. It's a best-case scenario. If DeLarian Turner-Yell, J.L. Skinner, and P.J. Locke are the three big guys on special teams that are having a consistent impact, that is a damn good thing for the Broncos, not only in terms of special teams, but also maybe the future and the depth at the safety position. I'm curious how you feel about Skinner and his arrival here in Denver. I think he's just a unique breed at the position, isn't he? I mean, the 6'4 frame, 210 pounds, got those long arms, obviously a very attacking mindset. I think his his last name is just so appropriate for the way that he, he just kind of... Skinner, it just sounds like a safety you don't want to mess with in the open field, right? And I love the option of him kind of being maybe uh, maybe a matchup player in this defense eventually. I think immediately special teams. But like you said, there's kind of a little uh, competition, if you want to call it that, I guess, for wh- who those backup safeties are going to be going forward with P.J. Locke, with Delarian Turner-Yell, and now with J.L. Skinner in the mix. Of course, it, it was reported by Mike Kliss that the Broncos have an offer out to Kareem Jackson or did as of a couple of weeks ago to come back and play a, a, a smaller role with the defense. So it does look like they're moving forward with Stearns as the projected starter there. But JL Skinner could factor in immediately. I think definitely you, you see this happen pretty frequently in the NFL nowadays, Cody, where at least a few day three guys that were supposed to go day day two or earlier on day three than they did. They end up coming out in training camp and preseason and they live up to that pre-draft hype, even though like Skinner obviously fell because he had the pectoral injury and I think an ankle as well. Uh, Don't quote me on that, though, because I think that I think that he's okay with the ankle, but just some health concerns is what I'm getting at. 
He falls in the draft. You get him. All of a sudden, well, he's healthy enough to participate in training camp. And all of a sudden, he's looking like a top 100 pick, which a number of people projected him to be. I think he could be a bigger factor than people are anticipating based on his you know, range, instincts, his ability to go attack the line of scrimmage. I think there's some value there in terms of just the the difference that he presents in terms of this is what Caden Stearns is and this is what J.L. Skinner is. They're kind of complementary pieces. And I think you have to have that because, once again, I mean, last year we didn't expect, like, Justin Simmons played week one, got hurt. We didn't even know until the next week of practice went on I or Caden Stearns steps up, balls out in a big way during the, the stretch in which he started. Then he goes out with a season-ending injury. Kareem Jackson was the one guy who played 100% of the snaps for the Broncos at safety last season. And then you had guys like P.J. Locke stepping in and filling in and doing a really good job. We didn't really see too much from Delarian Turner-Yale in terms of the defensive side of the ball, but he did have a fumble recovery. He had a couple of big plays on special teams. It's so important. And usually your safeties are the guys who have the combination of, of speed, but also your hard-hitting guys who go downfield and make tackles. And I think Skinner is going to make some noise early in that department if he can stay healthy. But now let's transition well to the center position here for the Broncos, and that is going to be Alex Forsythe from the University of Oregon. A ton of experience playing there, multifaceted, has the ability to flex if need be, but George Payton, Sean Payton envision him as a center. I scroll through Twitter, I see a lot of things. I see a lot of people saying Forsythe isn't going to make the roster. He isn't even going to compete to start for the center job. I, I disagree on this one. Look, there's open competition right now at center, Sarah, and, and I think that's important, right? You have Luke Wattenberg, you have Lloyd Cushingberry, you Brian Kyle Fuller, and now you add a draft pick to the mix here. The thing that stands out to me about Forsyth is that he is strong. He's got strong upper body. My question is, is does he have the ability to consistently anchor? I'm going to have to go back and watch some tape here, but I think you have a guy. What, what's been the biggest complaint and the biggest weakness of Lloyd Cushingberry? It's really been upper body strength when facing some of the more prominent nose tackles and blitzing linebackers in the NFL. He just sometimes gets bulldozed. I don't see this happening too much with a guy like Forsythe. So if he can come in and pick up this system, and look, I don't want to make the connection here, but where did Zach Streif go in the NFL draft when he was drafted by Peyton in 2006, right? Think about how late he went. Look at where Forsythe is, and look at what Peyton had said about Forsythe as well. They envisioned him as a guy that they really liked, and some guys projected him as a top center I'm excited about this one. Broncos country don't sleep on Forsyth being a potential starter option for the Broncos this upcoming season. It is possible. There is competition. And you know what, Sarah? I love competition. I do too, Cody. And I think if there is an open competition, you might as well give the, this guy a shot, right? I think there's nothing wrong with that. And Sean Payton talked about it after the draft. They they felt like he was definitely going to be gone as of that sixth round. They made the trade for Adam Troutman, but it sounded like to me, I didn't guess I don't want to put any words in his mouth, but it did kind of sound like to me, they were maybe considering him in that sixth round range. So if that's the case, man, you got yourself a little bit of a steal here, maybe a Matt Paradis light diet, Matt Paradis, something like that, whatever you want to say. I think there's hey, you want to be optimistic about the late round guys. You take an O lineman in round seven. I mean, that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough bullseye to hit. You're talking about trying to hit a bullseye from about 30 yards away. But at the same time, you know, you look at what this guy did at Oregon. You look at what his projection is to the NFL from certain people. I think he's got a shot, Cody. And I wonder what it means for Luke Wattenberg as far as the depth chart is concerned. Obviously, I, I, we got to stop writing off these guys. I, the discourse on Twitter is to write off Luke everybody. Wattenberg. It's to write off <laughs> Nick Benito. Like everybody that was drafted last year who didn't play at an all pro level 
in their rookie season is getting written off. I'm not writing off Luke Wattenberg, not with not with this this new offensive line coach, Zach Streif, not with the player development that's going to be in place all over. I think it's going to be fascinating to see. Does he play center? Does he move to guard? Maybe he's got the frame for it. He's got the length for it. Does he move to tackle the depth chart implications of this pick? Although seemingly pretty minor and maybe, you know, borderline insignificant, I think it's a little bit more than people are understanding here in terms of who's going to be the active game day roster offensive lineman for the Broncos in 2023. You could be looking at some definitely some youth in those positions. I'm excited. There could be some surprises on the horizon, but ultimately, folks, you know, we can talk about this all day. We can project from our own desks, our own seats in which we are sitting right now. But the one thing that matters at the end of the day is these guys getting on the football field and playing and showing and doing it against competition. That's one thing we're excited about. That's why mini camp, training camp, and even the preseason, it can't come sooner enough we're so excited for it and we're excited that you get to join us every step of the way broncos country you make the show exactly what it is we love doing the show for you thank you so much for making us a part of your day making us your first listen every single day if you're an everyday watcher or listener we appreciate you so much thank you from the bottom of our hearts here in broncos country but with that said tomorrow's episode of the show for all you everydayers out there we're going to dive deeper into the jerry judy fifth year option why the broncos picked it up and why it's important for not only jerry but the team going forward and maybe what it means for the future you get that on tomorrow's brand new